Welcome to the Communion Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Erin. And I'm Ramonita. Communion is all about relationships over religion. Relationship with Christ, with ourselves, and with one another. And in a culture that seems so divisive, we're cultivating a community of truth seekers from all walks of life. So whether you have faith, no faith, or have walked away from the church, you are welcome here. We're ready to understand, heal, have tough conversations, and rebuild bridges. So let's get started. Let the reconciliation begin. It's better when we get together. Everything is better. Hey, E. Hi. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. We're going to have a real one today. I can feel it. How are you? Same. Same, same. I'm all right. Lots lots of processing over the weekend in, in some really great ways, but also like, yeah, there's a lot going on in my head about life and the state of our world. Mm-hmm. Same more. Same more. How was your weekend? Where, where's your head at? Where's your heart today? Um. So after our <clears throat> last recording, I was talking to you about how it was my birthday last week and I had been feeling like really lonely just because I'm living in a place, even though I grew up here, I, I had been 18 years since I've lived here last and have felt like... um you know, picking back up with some friendships has, has been really easy. Others it's been like, Hey, just we've grown up and it doesn't look the same. And we may not be like the same kind of friends anymore. And that's okay too. But when you have friendships with people, it can be really hard to go having like a depth in relationships with people. There is a lack of depth because I like want to be in it for the long haul with people. And so sometimes like change can be hard, even though I know that relationships change, it can still be hard. So then processing that with John last Friday night, we went on our date night and I was saying to him, I think the reason that I felt so sad around my birthday last week was because I worry about the work that you and I are doing with communion and inviting people into like having these real authentic conversations, not because I'm afraid to have them, but honestly, because I think I already feel like a a bit of a rebel in the way that I like am curious about Jesus outside of like traditional Christianity. And that has now kind of filtered over into relationships where I feel like like the very essence of not only just like me doing communion, but like I've made a lot of changes in my life. I've left a ministry I was a part of for a really long time. I have a different viewpoint on a lot of topics than I used to have. And I feel like with all of that, including communion and the kind of conversations that we'll continue to have on this podcast, I am operating under a belief system that like, not only that people think I'm a rebel, but like, Genuinely, I don't believe that people like me or want to be around me because of it. And so then I project that on other people. And so then I don't know who really does genuinely care about me and wants to be my friend and who truly does think I'm a rebel. And John was like, well, then what would you say to those who think like you are a rebel or like a little too much because you're willing to admit where you get it wrong and you're willing to explore what it really means to follow Christ in different ways than what maybe you've been taught your whole life? And I was like, I would say, like, in my gut, I'm sorry that you feel that way, but I'm not going to change who I am. And he's like, well, then be consistent. Like, be consistent with that. Like, it is a lonely journey in pursuing Christ when you get to places of authenticity. Because here's the deal. And you and I have talked about this a lot in our friendship. There's not many people who want to actually be in relationship with you beyond a certain level. Like, when you go deep, 
like we hit a wall sometimes. And I have experienced this more than just like moving to my move to Florida, but there's a certain level of like intimacy and relationship with people in topics that we'll talk about where when once we hit a wall, if we disagree on something, it's like they're not willing to go any further past that wall where I am like, hey, it's okay for us to disagree. I love that. Like I'll thrive off of having different viewpoints. But if you shut me out because you maybe don't agree with how I think or how I feel or how I perceive Jesus to be, then that's like super hurtful. And now I'm going to take that personally. And that's what I'm trying to do the hard work to become unoffendable. I mean, that's what I'm talking to my counselor about is like, how do I become unoffendable? Like if people choose to not like me for who I am, then like that's that's their decision. And there's nothing I can do to change that because I'm definitely not going to alter who I am to try to make them more comfortable. You know what I mean? That's good. It's interesting. So um, as you know, during the pandemic, like we've uh, gone to church online, like we defaulted to that and we pretty much have stayed because now we have two littles and it took a long while for the children's ministry to open back up. And if you know my story, my toddler, like, my girl wants to ask a lot of questions and service is just not the place to ask all those questions. So I needed a children's ministry. Uh, and so um, actually, like, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I went on Instagram and just kind of was like, all right, I'm back on this platform and I see what's up. Uh, you know, got a bunch of DMs. But one of my mentees actually told me about this church here. Um, and so we decided to visit it yesterday to try it out because I miss being in a place of worship. Like, yeah. I think that's one thing we should call out on this. Like, we're not like trying to dismantle the church or tear the, tear the church down or anything. The church is still a beautiful thing in, in some ways, in some regard, but there are some places where getting it wrong. And so, but I was just happy to be like in a place of worship, like being able to sing praises to God amongst other people that claim him as God. And yesterday the preacher was preaching about Palm Sunday. Um, and one of the things that I thought was really interesting was his perspective was about, like, do we really know why Jesus was crucified? Like, it wasn't about the healings that he did. It wasn't about driving out demons. It wasn't about the scriptures he was preaching. It wasn't about his teaching. It wasn't about anything except for the fact that, like, he was nailed to a cross for declaring who he was. Like, you know, I am king. I am Lord. I am. You know, like, and it was like, that was what he was pinned on the cross for. It was his declarative statement of who he was. He talked about a bunch of other things, but as we were sitting in the, uh, in the pews yesterday and I was just listening to this message, I just kept thinking about like, you know, the questions when I told you I've been on this journey to answer, who is God and who does he say I am? And the very declarative I am statement is the thing that God Jesus crucified. And so no wonder why we struggle with I am statements, like truly declaring like who we are and being okay with it. But if Jesus for who he declared he was, was crucified, then why wouldn't we be persecuted for who we declare we are too? And if I'm honest, I think this is part of that journey that I'm on as well. Like it's been really hard sometimes to say, I am a Christian. I believe in God or, or to stand firm in a viewpoint. We live in this very like um, lukewarm society. And and for me, you know, it's been a survival tactic sometimes to be a chameleon, like the survival of the fittest. Make sure you don't ruffle too many feathers or you don't, whatever, because that could be the cost of our lives. That I am statement is hard to make sometimes or to accept that like, this is who God created us to be. And who he created us to be is not always going to be meant to be comfortable or palatable. Like sometimes it is going to require us to say hard things to be countercultural, to do things differently. And yeah. until we can accept that truth and understand that, like, we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle with inauthentic relationships. We're going to struggle with our, with our relationship with ourselves and not feeling like ourselves. And eventually sometimes not even knowing ourselves, you know? And so, like, one yeah. of the things that I love about you is you're like, I am who I am. Like, I am who God created me to be. And it doesn't mean that I won't evolve. I won't change. I don't even say I got things wrong along the journey. But like the beautiful part is that you're willing to at least say, well, this is who I am. You know, thank you for that. And thanks for that word. Cause that's super encouraging. Cause you're right. Like Jesus was unashamed 
of who he was and he completely lived into his identity and and who he is and if christ is within us like if we believe that we're not only followers of christ but that we have his holy spirit in us and we believe that we're listening to that voice within us like then like we get to live in freedom of who we are it doesn't mean that that's easy and i think that that's the disclaimer is just because you are living authentically doesn't mean you're going to feel freedom or you're going to feel um confidence at all times it can be lonely it can be lonely work i brought up the state of our world only because like a, it was an interesting like dynamic or trigger into like what i just said about having differing views and differing points of view you know even the conversation around like what happened at the covenant school in nashville which i went to college in nashville i know people who have kids who go to the school there in nashville and you know around the topic of um, even like gun reform, like I've seen some posts on social media that have been like, uh, and I'm going to like probably misquote the caption, but it was like, so-and-so had a rock and they used it for bad. David had a stone and used it for good. It's not about the stone, but about the person and, and kind of like a people justifying like their right to bear arms and their right to hold on to guns. And so my point in bringing that up is when there's a discussion like that and I can make a comment back of saying like, hey, help me understand a little bit more of what you mean by that. And it's met with like defense and it's met with like combativeness when I've just clearly asked a question, not being combative, but like truly just seeking to understand their point of view. That's what we're doing like in communion. And like one of our ground rules that you guys need to know is that like we're not willing to engage in conversations if it's going to be combative. Like our house rule is your weapons have to be left at home or dispose of them all together because it's not welcome. And what I mean by weapons is I don't mean like literal weapons, of course, like please don't bring weapons to, <laughs> to our gatherings maybe one day when we meet, but also like your verbal weapons, like the way that you talk and are combative. Like we really have to do some work in learning not to be defensive about someone not having the same viewpoint as us. I understand when someone comes out, you, you not, the natural inclination is for you to come back at them. But what about when someone comes to you with grace and like truly seeking to understand and you are not capable of like having anyone else's viewpoint because you so deeply believe that you're right. That to me is like the tragedy that's existing in our society. It's why we're doing communion. But it's also like, I think has been a hurtful thing in friendships for me is I feel like sometimes I have a hard time in relationships with people when their viewpoint, they believe it's just the only viewpoint to have. And if you have a different viewpoint, like you're wrong and you're rebel and they're questioning if I even love Jesus. And I think the thing, you know, about you e, is like, you're naturally curious. Like you want to know people. But I think the beautiful thing about laying our weapons down is like, it's easy to walk into battle with armor on, right? Walk into a conversation knowing that somebody holds a different viewpoint and just expecting like, I'm going to have to defend myself. And I think what's challenging for both of us constantly is like, and I always have to put this disclaimer, like, hey, I'm just asking because I'm genuinely curious and I want to understand. But I want to know the condition of the human heart. I want to know people's heads and hearts. I want to know people's stories. I want to know why and how they think certain ways because everything is not in black and white. And we know this. Individual stories lie in the gray area. Exceptions to the rules lie in the gray area. Like we don't operate in a world that's black and white. And so, and so, I, I genuinely am curious and I know this to be true about you too, but it's like, it needs that like disclaimer to, hey, I want to ask this because I want to know. I genuinely want to know with no agenda or anything. And I think like, you know, going back to our house with laying your weapons out, one of the things that we're here trying to do is not impose our beliefs on anyone, but rather be curious enough to hear the human stories that define the ideologies, that define the philosophies, that define the the things that we subscribe to um, in life, you know? And and I think that's like, it's like seeing the human, not the ideology. 
see the human story, not the principle sometimes is like what's necessary. But it's so hard because we live in a world that constantly has this agenda. Deb and I, my best friend, like we were, you know, Deb, but to everybody else, she's my best friend. So you'll probably hear me reference her. She's the Gail to my Oprah or I'm the Gail to her Oprah, whichever one you want to do. But um, her and I were having this conversation. The women's final four happened this weekend. The national Mm -hmm. championship game was yesterday. And this girl, Angel Reese, like, you know, waves her hand in front of her face, signifying a championship ranks this other girl, Caitlin Clark. And the internet goes crazy, calling her classless and all this other stuff. And then it comes out, well, wait, no, the reason why she did that was because Caitlin Clark did that the game previously to a friend of Angel Reese's on the South Carolina team. And then the story changes. And Deb's point to me was like, you know, I don't understand why it takes context for us to offer compassion. Like, why can't we just offer compassion, you know, immediately? And it's funny because maybe a couple hours prior, I was on Instagram and this nurse had posted this video of this baby that was a couple hours old that had just come out of the mom, like still had the burnix all over her and everything. And that's that white stuff for your non-moms. Um, the baby's face was black and blue. Like it was just bruised. And so I guess the mom had posted an image of the baby and it was met with like the ugliest, ugliest comment. A nurse takes the video and goes, you know, let me break down what happened to this baby in birth. She was face up. The, you know, she came through the birth canal a certain way. She probably hit a bunch of bone or other, you know, carless hard things, whatever. And as a result, there's some bruising to her face. It will heal. And this baby will be beautiful just as she is right now. And she was like, but I don't understand why that mom had to explain all of that to negate all of the um, ugly comments that you said. And then it was met with compassion and kindness and stuff. And she goes, why? Why without the context do you feel the audacity, the, you know, desire to even say mean things? Like it does is grace only available if context is given why don't we freely give grace because we freely receive it and that's how i feel like you know when you talk about this conversation without the disclaimer without the hey i'm just asking so i'm curious it's met with like this like defensiveness it's met with this like put the gloves on let's rumble kind of energy you know and that and that is part of the reason why there is so much division. There is so much anger. There is so much hate. There is so much injustice in our world because the gloves go on. Right. And I'm not saying this to everybody else. Like, I, I will be honest with you. This is one of the things that I put on my vision board two or three years ago. And it was take the gloves off because I entered conversation ready to fight, always ready to defend myself, ready to perform. I mean, ready to, hey, like we can go blow for blow. Like, I'm blocked and loaded. And yeah, my friend told something the other day. She says spiritual maturity is not having to defend your point of view or not having to tell your side of the story. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, yep. looks like we're growing up here, people. <laughs> yep. You know, it's funny that you say that because this morning I just typed in to make sure I was remembering which verse it was because I'm going to misquote it. But in Matthew 21 and in Mar- both in Mar- Matthew 21 and in Mark 11, it's about Jesus turning over the tables in the temple because people were misusing the temple for not what it was supposed to be. And in my reflection, like as I was spending time with Jesus this morning, I was just thinking, that's what I relate to the most, God. Like I relate to to Jesus going into the temple and just like, just messing shit up because he was like not happy about the way that people who were claiming to follow God were living their lives and how they were misusing the gospel. And so I, I'm with you. I can, I can confess the fact that there are probably people who have known me for a really long time can say, Aaron, what are you talking about? You can be combative. Like you're, de- you can be defensive because I love a good debate. Like, don't get me wrong. I love a good debate. But I think that's why God called me to this work is because very seldom. And let me use a different word. Never has a debate changed someone's mind. Like for me, me debating with someone or fighting or being combative with someone has never changed their mind. And my goal shouldn't be to change their mind. My goal should always be to seek to understand because the people in my life who have approached me seeking to understand, even if I have a tendency for my weapon to be drawn, 
their tenderness and asking me questions, I slowly start to like drop that weapon or that shield of trying to protect myself. And you know what? Some of those people have changed my mind because I felt like they genuinely wanted to listen to my story, my point of view. They were seeking to understand me, not to prove me wrong, but to just listen. And I think that is why my mind has changed about a lot of things as one, God has used their stories, but also scripture and how I read it and how I see it and its context. And it's changed the way that I read it because of that. But someone walking up to me and like being combative and yelling at me and debating with me, that's never been an agent of change in my life. And I would argue it's not an agent of change in anyone's life. And so I think in Christianity, when we think we can go at someone and be combative and think that their minds are going to change, no matter how convicting we feel like our message is, I I would disagree. I don't think that's an agent of change. I don't think it's passivity. I just think it's Jesus led with tenderness. He led with justice and tenderness. And that is the one account where Jesus showed his righteous anger. He did. He showed it in that moment. So it's proving that Jesus felt that way. And he stepped up to the occasion at times to make sure that he told people what was up. But if you look at all the other accounts, those people in that account were not seeking to understand. They were just misusing God's name. But everyone else who came to Jesus, as they were, like full of sin, full of their brokenness, can we name one account where Jesus met them with anything but empathy and compassion and, and asking them questions to seek to understand? I mean, let's, I mean, even if we go to the Samaritan woman, look how he met her with question, where's your husband? Knowing the answer to it. And then the answer, it's like, what? Like, what? Yeah, always says to me, she goes, see, like, you could tell your truth, but grace and truth seasoned with salt. Like, like, it's just like sometimes you need to season it with sugar. Like, like, it's not to say you don't share your point of view, but I think what's at the heart of it all is when we don't approach it in a combative manner, when we are coming at it with a genuine curiosity, when we are seeking to understand, when we're willing to hear people's life experiences and stories, the result of that is intimacy. Yeah. And intimacy is at the core of building a relationship. And it, it, it says that I can have a different point of view than you, but you're willing to see my side. And therefore, I can still walk with you. We can agree to disagree, but it does not mean that we cannot be in one another's lives. It does not mean that we cannot extend love to one another. It does not mean that we cannot extend grace to one another. And I think like that's the beautiful part of intimacy. You and I talk about it often, but I talk about this example that my mother-in-law gave me where there's this two by four and her kids were arguing. So one end she painted blue, the other end she painted green. And she had each of them stand at one end and said, What's, what color is the board? And one said blue, one said green. They're arguing, arguing. I know it's blue, it's green, it's green. She said, now switch sides. And then they could see that the other side was green and the other side was blue. It did not change their truth that the other side was blue or the other side was green, but it allowed them to see why from the vantage point of the other person it was. And now all of a sudden, it still allows them to hold their truth and what they believe and where their position was. But now it allows them to turn, turn the fight off. I don't want to fight you. I'm not trying to prove you wrong. I'm not trying to make you think something different. I can see why from your vantage point, why from where you're standing, your life experiences are determining or shaping this viewpoint, this POV, this, what you know? And so I think, you know, for us, like, it's like, what is more important? Is it being right or is it being in relationship? And that's a question that we have to constantly ask. Absolutely. Yeah. I like, first of all, I always forget that story of your mother-in-law doing that. And I love it. And it's just made my mind spin. I need to do that for my boys because they were like in a fist fight yesterday. coming out from the pool. I'm like over something so dumb. So I'm like, oh, I should use that. But yes, the sentiment of it and the point of it is very true. Like, I think it all wraps back up to me being okay and understanding sometimes people maybe just need a little extra time of understanding that there are two 
sides to an equation. And maybe, maybe like no one's ever been engaged in that way before. Like maybe they've only known people who don't agree with them as being combative. And maybe God's calling me to shed some new light and be maybe a friend, maybe their first friend in their life that can have a different point of view and yet still remain in relationship with them. Um, there's a book. I haven't read it yet, but there, but I would love to link it down below on our podcast because I've had enough people tell me about it and I trust all those people and I want to read it. It's on my list, but it's about, it's a autobiography about Ruth. Um, Oh, what's her RBG. RBG. Yeah, it's about RBG and how some of her and her husband's best friends were other justices that were on the Republican side. And they like remained in relationship over like the best of friends and they disagreed on topics. And yet they still were able to be dear, dear friends for the entirety of their lives. I've read some quotes and stuff from it that they talk about what Ruth had said. And I'm I'm just like, oh, like you were doing that work. And yet I would say. I was taken by surprise because I would have assumed that RGB was like a like, ramble a browser, um, like she was flipping tables. And yet, like she was able to be friends with people who sat on the polar opposite side of the equation from her and was like not just like acquaintances, like best friends with people like that. And I'm like, oh, so much to learn from her. I would say a greater person to learn from even more so is Jesus, and that because I think this is the work he was doing, but. Here's a person that I don't even know if she was a Christian or not. I have no idea, but she was living it out. To answer your question of how I'm doing is I'm just working through the emotions of being okay and being settled with just right now feeling lonely because I don't have a ton of community here quite yet in Florida. And I'm grateful that I have friends like you and a lot of my friends back in the Northwest and honestly, all across the country that I can call and have great depth with and just know that it will get there with people here um, in Florida. And I do have friends here in Florida. I have great friends here in Florida, but it's just taking some time. And my husband, John, said to me on Friday, he goes, and if I know anything about you, patience isn't exactly like your greatest virtue. And he's not wrong. I was like, thank you for saying that because that is very true. I am so impatient, but it's a good thing. I'm impatient. I, I find myself being impatient for the things that matter. Like, relationships matter to me. Like my love language is quality time with quality conversation. Like depth is so important to me, but depth takes time. Like for me, I would argue I can jump into depth pretty quickly with someone. That's like, you've said that about my husband and I before, but not everyone's like that. And that doesn't make them wrong. Just not everyone's like that. And I have to be patient with that process and knowing that it's going to take time to get there with some people. So. Yeah, I, I mean, and I think that's it. The key, like I used to always say, like relationships actually have an equation if you think about it. Like, and I would say relationships equal consistency times time over trust. In order for a relationship to thrive, you have to establish trust. And the only way to establish that trust is by consistently showing up over a long period of time. Like, and unfortunately for impatient people that are so badly seeking it, like it's hard. And you and your husband are unicorns in this regard. Like, when somebody says, how are you? Like, there's no surface level. Like, there's no small talk. You guys are willing to go deep immediately. Like, how's your soul? How's your heart? Like, how's your head? And that's what I love about you. Like, you don't let people just go be in your presence and go unseen, unheard or unnoticed, which is beautiful. But I do think it does take people time to feel safe. And, you know, that's part of what we're trying to do here, right? We're trying to build an environment of safety. Like, can you trust us? Maybe that's up to you to determine, you know, would we hope so? Yes. Would we hope that people would come and be, join this community and be a part of this and feel this psychological safety and this sense of belonging? Absolutely. Will there be things that are said that might threaten people's safety, viewpoints, whatever? I'm sure. But if we aren't willing to ask the questions, if we aren't willing to stick around, if we aren't willing to challenge thinking or things like that, then like we won't know. I, I think we become in, as humans, as society, so accustomed to just running. Nope, this doesn't work. Run. And that's a survival tactic. And it makes so much sense. But we can only run so far. So at some point, if we continue to run, there's going to be nowhere or nobody left to run to, you know? And so I think for those of us that are willing to put us dig in, dig our heels in and say, 
okay, we're here. Like, and we're going to try and it's going to be hard, but we'll continue to pursue. We'll continue to be persistent. We'll continue to show up. Even if sometimes it means at the cost of our own pride, our own ego, our own needs, not saying, not saying we should always be the sacrificial lamb. Our needs and, and being emotionally safe is, is important. But I'm saying like sometimes the relationships that are worth it require us to put in all the time. Relationships that are worth it require us to put in work. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Um, that reminded me of something. We were messaging a little bit about an Instagram post I posted on or I, I reshared by Dr. Caroline Leaf. Um, and you had commented on it. And it has to do a little bit about what we're talking about. She was talking about not always having to explain your side of the story. And mm-hmm. you commented on it like, mm-hmm. and I came back and said, yep, I get you. I get what you mean by that. But also it's different context maybe than what you're thinking. And once again, like things can be taken, like we may be taken out of context. You might see a post that we make or something and it's taken out of context. Always seek to like understand what that person means by, you know, saying that. But do you have it up? Yeah, it says want better relationships. Learn to be okay with people not knowing your side of the story and learn to let go of the need to always control the narrative. Mm. So I'll I'll tell you in a second the context of, of me posting that. But also when I saw your response and all you said was, hmm, instantly my brain woke up to like, oh, I see how another way this could be read. And especially for the work that you and I are doing, because we're saying, hey, stories are important. Sharing your story is important. People understanding your story is important. It helps give context. It helps all of that. The want better relationships part, I don't really know what that was all about. I was focusing on the the latter of that conversation because there is a situation that I had been in where I had seen one side of a story and it seemed like a little bit of some injustice. And so... I was seeking to understand the other side of the story. And when I heard the other side of that that equation, I understood, like, okay, both people are at fault. There's two people in this situation that are at fault. But because I responded, like, to the person who had experienced injustice, like, saying, like, hey, like, you can go and pursue, like, like clarity from these people. Like, it was a work situation for this guy who was employed. And he had felt like he was undervalued. And so he goes to his employer and says, hey, like, um, I want to take on more responsibility, but I have some goals and this is how I want to do. And that's kind of what we are instructing him to do and saying like, hey, like, that's a great thing. Just like coaching him as a like as a family in his life that loves him and just like helping him. He didn't grow up with parents that were doing that. And so we're just encouraging him. And anyway, the situation turned into like causing like a big riff in their relationship. And so when I met with a friend of mine and had a conversation and she gave me her perspective of what was really going on, I was like, okay, I understand. That makes a whole lot more sense. But meanwhile, what was being communicated about me and my husband by a few, just by a few people, but it's still word spreads was something that was so false. And it was such a false narrative. And no one in that equation ever seek to have a conversation with John or I and under, and seek to understand what we actually were saying to our friend and how we were kind of advising him. They made assumptions about us. And still to this day, it it's painful to me sometimes when I when I'm around that certain group of people because I feel like they still have written an narrative about me that's not true. And so with that said, now that you hear my story and you understand the context. I need to let go of always feeling like I have to tell my side of the story. Like there are going to be situations and moments that I don't get to share my side of the story and it's okay because at the end of the day, I know the truth about what I did and what I said. And I feel like in good conscience, like I was honorable and loving and kind and everything that Christ would have asked me to do. There's other situations I can't say that about, but this situation, that was the truth. But I can become so combative of like wanting everyone to know my side of the story when it really, at the end of the day, in those situations doesn't matter. If someone makes up their mind about you and they're not going to seek to understand your side of the equation, sometimes there's not a lot we can do. Just like we're saying, hey, we are providing a space for you to come and to share your story and to hear other perspectives. 
but you're probably coming to this space or seeking out listening to this podcast because there's not a lot of spaces where you feel comfortable doing that. And there's not a lot of spaces that are welcoming you sharing your side of the story because they've already made up their mind about you. So that's that's something I'm just trying to go to work on. And I just wanted to talk about that like live on our podcast because my context I was coming from that from was my desire for justice, like my desire for people to like feel like they clearly understand me and where I'm coming from can get in, in the way sometimes when they've made up their mind and they, no matter how many times I try to tell them the truth, they've already made up their mind and they're going to continue on with that narrative. And I'm spinning my wheels over here and it's it's like having a negative impact on my other relationships with people who have not made up their mind and did seek clarity and did seek to understand and we're doing fine. I'm worried about the one when I got the 99 over here that are like still like loving and this one didn't wander off. And honestly, I think sometimes like, well, I, I just have so much to say on this, but like one, like, Praise God, we serve a redemptive God. Like, yeah. praise yeah. God, we don't have to fight our battles. We don't always have to fight our battles because guess what? The beautiful thing is that a very situation can happen and you don't have to go at war because God can rise up a situation that could put you in, I'm making this up, uh, put you on a committee or in a work situation with one of those people. And then being in, that work situation, they can get to know you and they become the person that defends you to that other circle. Actually, she's not that person. Actually, and can redeem and change and make beautiful those relationships. Like that's the beautiful part of why we don't. And actually when you wrote that, my hmm was about, I got what she said about want better relationships. Example, there was a situation that happened with me last week with a friend. And long story short, like my friend was offended. And I was supposed to pick up a friend. I was going to show up 10 minutes late. She was mad. I was going to be 10 minutes late. Decided, okay, I'm going to drive myself. Okay, so we can go there. But everything in me wanted to say, well, I was 10 minutes late because I went to this place to buy something for a friend who we were going to spend time with. And it took me out the way because I went to the specific place because I know exactly what she wanted. Because I wanted to make her feel special. Because I wanted to get her thing. Because she needed that little extra love. But you know what? It offended this friend, you know? And so that friend became collateral damage for me trying to do a night thing for the other ones. And I could have taken everything in me to explain it to her. You know what? It doesn't change the fact that she's offended. So when she says want better relationships, don't own the narrative. Sometimes we just got to be okay with saying, I'm sorry. Yep. You know what? I'm sorry, like, I don't have to defend it. I don't have to make it. I don't have to tell you all the excuses in the world. Like, that doesn't change the fact that you are offended. And so sometimes it's just being willing to say, you know, what? I'm sorry. I'm well, sorry. Reconciliation. Because I can be honest that some of these people who I have felt like have made up their mind about me actually go to my church, too. And so then it makes it hard for me to go to my church. Because I feel like I go to church and like I'm not wanted there because these people have like written narratives about me that aren't true. And so then I feel this like deep offense. But then it starts projecting on the people. One of my friends who happens to be the pastor of that church, like I struggle with believing that she even wants me there, even though we've had a conversations before where I know she knows me and knows my heart and hasn't like passed judgment on me in any way, shape or form. But I project that because I'm so hurt. Instead of me being able to just say, those people will never seek reconciliation with me. But I can for still forgive them in the process and still move on and just uniquely be who I am and let that speak for itself versus me having to sit down with a meeting with them. Because here's the other thing. Let me just call this out. Sit down in a meeting with them and say, hey, I know what you've been saying about me and I just want to give you my side of the story or sit them down in a meeting and say, I know what you've been saying about me and I want you to know I forgive you. Because guess what? They could have said, well, that was a rumor and I never said that in the beginning. And then it's all been just a bunch of made up stuff. I mean, who knows? So instead of going down that rabbit trail, I'd rather just say, you know what? I'm going to have grace for that person and just keep being me and let that speak for itself and believe that, like you said, that is reconciliation, that I'm trusting that God can reconcile even that, that he can okay. reconcile in that person's mind 
how they view me in the same way that God can do the same thing in your friendships. And I think that the thing is, like going back to like you keep talking about this narrative, sometimes the narrative is assumed too. Because we feel uncomfortable about a situation or we're not proud of how a situation comes out, sometimes we're the harsher judges of ourselves and we are projecting that other people are judging. Like you talked about with your friend, the Pastor. We sometimes are our harshest critics. And sometimes we have to release ourselves from the judgment that we're passing amongst ourselves. And also, sometimes we write narratives that other people are writing narratives about us. And the thing that can dismantle that goes back to our house rule, curiosity. Being willing to set yourself aside, being willing to go up to that person and say, hey, I just like to understand. Being curious, asking a question, because our assumptions also could be wrong. Maybe sometimes how we're responding to the way we think they're responding, you know, and it's it's a spiral often. And so that's why I say, you know, it's so beautiful to watch God work things out because we don't have to always fight the battle ourselves. We don't always have to go at it alone. We're not always going to have the answer. We're not always going to know what to say, what to do. Um, And so, yeah, when you talk about reconciliation, I think it's, you talked about it the other day, melting of a hardened heart. It's saying, I release it. I release it. I, I release it because when we hold on to it, it affects us more than it affects other people. We retell the story. We rehash the offense over and over and over again. It's like picking at a stab on our own body. Oftentimes, we keep opening that wound versus healing, like let, allowing it to heal. And so, um, you know, yeah, I, it, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's, it, it's definitely hard. And I, and I think going back to what I say, like relationships are not easy. They are work, 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 work. But you and I talk about this all the time. The deepest relationships I had have gone through some stuff and still endured. They've gone through hard tests and trials and yet we're still standing. And because those relationships tell me that we can go through things and I know I can still be safe. I know I can still be loved. I know I can still be seen. I know I can still be heard. I know I can still be valued. I know that you're willing, like the other person is willing to put their pride aside, despite what everybody else around them is telling them or saying or judging the situation to say, no, like I know her, I see her. And I believe that that's not her. We always talk about understanding what the difference between Peter and Judah, what's a bad day versus bad character. Totally. Like, what is a bad day versus bad character? Because we are going to have bad days. We're going to show up at times when we don't feel like ourselves. We are going to show up at times when before we walked into that room, the sequence of events brought us in that room with the energy that turned people off or caused an interaction that could have severed a relationship. And then... We got to ask, was that just a bad day or is it a character thing? And we got to stop judging people on bad days and subscribing to the character, including ourselves. Including, example, we yelled at our kid rather than saying, I'm a bad mom. We're not bad moms because we yelled at our kid one time, but it's saying, I did not show up as a good mom in that moment. But it doesn't characterize our entire existence of motherhood as bad. And I think that's, again, like, you know, the work we got to be willing to do. That's not easy. It's not, it's not easy because it requires a dying of flesh. It requires uh, saying, today, I'm going to choose grace. I'm going to choose love, even though it might not even feel like it's deserved, right? And I think that goes back to like scripture and, and us pursuing life like Jesus. Yet while we were still sinners, I believe this is in Romans, like he died for us. But we were still sinners. I mean, he died for people that were putting the stone of thorns on his head. 
that we're piercing his side, that we're nailing him to the cross. Like those are the very people that he still yet chose to die for. And it's like, man, how do we do that? That's good, T. Yeah. I had a different weekend. Yeah, tell me about yours. I had a different weekend. Mine wasn't about other people. Mine was about me and God. I, I come in today heavy. I can't lie. I could tell. Yeah. We got a message um, last week that we should just go. And uh, we made a decision. We recorded last week. And we're going to launch it either today or tomorrow. And all weekend, I was just like, man, I need to hit my community and just ask them to pray. Just ask them to pray. And I haven't sent the message yet. And man, I wish I did. Um, last night, I just had a rough night. Well, my kids weren't asleep. My, my, my baby, two of her teeth are coming through now. And so she's teething. So she's just up and she's crawling. So she's crawling all through her. There's a bunch of sleep regression stuff that's happening. So the sleep is off. But we've talked about this a lot. Uh, oh, I could. just the spiritual attacks that come with the spiritual assignment yep. and the things that are going to try to deter you and like there's so much I want to unpack here and so many details that I'm like do I go there do I not but go go long story short like I woke up in the middle of the night like am I crazy am I making this all kind of like there's so many things that I just feel like the enemy had me question it. Like at times, like I am so on fire for God right now. Like I'm in my word. I feel like I'm walking intimately and deeply with God right now. I feel like I'm fellowshipping. I feel like I feel a lightness about me, all of these things. And then last night, like the night before we're about to launch, I'm like, is this thing real? Like, Am I crazy person? Am I making this up? Like, I believe in this up that I can't see. And I'm praying. And I believe God is telling me to do these things. But nobody else can hear this voice. Or, you know, I went to go pray in the spirit. And I was like, am I making this language up? Like, <laughs> my mind was being attacked. Like, like last night, I've never, never asked these questions before. Like, I've never encountered something like this. And I am up at 1245, 330, 6 a.m. Like, just like wrestling, wrestling. Like, if you are real, make it known to me. Make it visible to me. Make it, you know. And as I called some of my, like, people that to just ask them to pray for me, the thing they kept saying is like, well, wouldn't he want to deter the very thing that you're trying to do? There's no coincidence that like the night before you're going to launch this thing, the night before you want to put this in the world, that you would question everything that you're going to say, everything you're going to put into the world, everything that the enemy comes to steal, kill, destroy. He's wanting to devour. Like, and of course, he's crafty. He's been at this for years. Like, what if he try to steal the very thing for you, the message? the belief system, your, what you think is your sanity, like everything from you. Like, and like, it was just such a heavy, like experience where I was just like, I was like rubbing my fingertips together and be like, is this reality? Like, am I <laughs> like, what is real and what is not right now? You know? And it's like, you know, that's why I that reconciliation with God. I'm like, man, I believe this is something mighty. I do because the way that this entire journey has just been spiritual attack upon spiritual attack to try to deter us from putting this in the world, I, it's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. yeah. It was a rough night. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of got chills when you were talking about that. One, like, thank you for sharing that and being honest and real about where you're at and the ways that you felt attacked because I think 
I think people need to hear that, that that is like part of our journey. That's part of like the Christian life and um, that we have an enemy who is very real and who tries to thwart us and keep us from ever experiencing truth and getting to live in freedom. We also have a God that's like way bigger than that. And I'm so grateful that like God intersects at that level. And I had chills because I was driving in my car yesterday morning um, on my way to go uh, present at this church for another organization that I'm helping get started here locally. Um, I was on my way and I can't even tell you what it was, but something, oh no, I was listening to this like playlist and there was like kind of a cheesier Christian song that came up on this playlist. And I just remember being like, gosh, this is so dorky and so cheesy and just like being so negative in my mind about this like song. And it got me thinking about just like Christianity in general and how like sometimes there has been this hype or this like um, over emotional response sometimes in like Christian settings where like it feels almost more like a show than being genuine. And it feels almost more like staged than it feels like it's authentically how that person feels. And then so then it made me start thinking, man, like, was I one of those people? Like, was I a person who like just built up this hype and it wasn't it was more hype and emotional, like trying to get people to an emotional response. than it was me actually like preaching what I believed was true. And the good news is I feel like, no, like my like when I left Young Life, like I feel like the messaging and the way that I was like telling people about Jesus was actually genuine and true to how I still believe. But early in my years, there were definitely moments where like I spoke from that place. And I say all that to you to say, not only do I understand why people walk away, but like there's been so many times, especially in the last few years where I've been like, I just want to throw in the gloves and walk away altogether because I've been so thwarted by the way I'm seeing Christianity lived out and the way I've seen people act just like total idiots and jerks. And I've just been like, I just wanted to be disassociated. But I said to God, I had this beautiful conversation with God crossing over the bridge in downtown St. Augustine. And I said, God, I could never walk away from you because I know you. Like I know the truth of who you are, but I am really struggling and grappling right now with your people. And I don't know how to be sometimes in a relationship with your people. And I'm one of them. Like, but I am grappling with how to be in a relationship with other believers because I don't relate to them sometimes. And I want to just walk away. And so then I want to just walk away altogether. But I don't really, if that makes sense. I love God and I still believe in God and the person of Jesus Christ and like who he is and why he came and what he came to do and what that means for my life. But I struggle with the way the Christianity is lived out, if that makes sense. And so then coming back to communion, it made me kind of question like, not necessarily like, should I be doing this? But will this be seen as even more rebellious? Because what I want to rebel against actually is everything that I knew Christianity to be. Like everything in me wants to rebel against it. And I'm choosing to believe that like, I don't need to rebel, but I just need to live authentically following Christ. And I, I would say the same thing over UT is, We've had so many conversations that this is like new territory for you. You don't come from like doing ministry full time as as a job. You love Jesus and and that's the qualification right there. But like as far as like doing this um, for the work that you're putting your time into, this is like new tr- uncharted waters for you. And of course, the enemy is going to attack. But also all the more the fact that we're doing it and we're doing it in a way of it looking a little bit different than how traditionally Christians have talked about things. And I think the enemy wants to thwart it and to stop us from talking about it because I think, oh, I'm just going to say it. Like, I think the enemy has Christians right where he wants them to because I think it's like, yeah, yeah, just choose to believe this. Keep being exclusive. Keep like making people think that Christianity is like just a bunch of closed doors. Yeah, keep doing that. Keep being like super narrow-minded in your approach to people. Because that keeps people from wanting to know the living God. And the work that we're, I'm just like claiming that over us right now is like the work that we're wanting to do is we want people to know the true living God. 
and that he wants a relationship with us, that the prodigal son is our story and that he wants us in relationship and that the father is running after towards us saying, I want you in relationship with me and I love you so much. And there's nothing that you can do that ever make me not want to be in relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And yet Christianity described as, as if the father sat on the porch and said, well, finally you came to your senses, you dumbass. But read the story. That's not the story. But that is how I think a lot of society sees Christians. And so us having a podcast where we talk about Jesus puts us at risk of people thinking we're going to be those closed-minded, narrow-minded bigots when that is not actually the truth. And so it, it's on both sides, we kind of are facing adversity, facing adversity from people who want nothing to do with Christ and maybe pass judgment on us before they listen to us. And from the people who are already Christians, but maybe are feeling like threatened at the fact that we're willing to talk about stuff that they're uncomfortable talking about. Yeah. And even as we talked about earlier, right, I am that I am statement, like, as I go back to Peter, Jesus tells Peter in the story, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Peter's like, nah, you're my dog. I'm rocking with you to the wheels, my love. Like, no way. You're my man, a hundred grand. Like, I'm, I'm with you. And yet he does. And I think like, if I'm honest, I've been Peter. I've been Peter even as a recent, right? Where because Christianity has gotten such a bad rap, similar to what was happening then when everybody was like, Jesus, that you talk of Messiah, like what? And everybody's questioning it and laughing and mocking it and, and denouncing it. And then you have these disciples that are like, no, we've, we've walked with him. We've lived life with him. We've watched him heal people, drive out demons. Like we've watched the incredible miraculous works of his hand. We believe him to be Messiah. And yet while he's about to die on the cross and it does not make sense to them, Peter's Jesus, who? Wait, what? Nah, nah. I don't know. I don't even know he's talking about. Like, you know, and as soon as that rooster crows, he snaps out of it. And then what? Like Peter goes on and he's the rock of the church. That is literally like what his name means. But I get why he felt that way. I have been Peter. Like calling yourself a Christian is not popular. There is a connotation that comes along with it. There is a speculation that comes along with it. There's cynicism, skepticism. I mean, like saying Christian, I am a Christian, saying I believe in God. Like there are so many reasons to question why or whether you should. There's so many reasons to not want to associate with it now because it has gotten such a bad rap it is at an all-time high for mockery right now so many people want nothing to do with it because of what christianity has actually turned into and so it's easy like for me even to not want to boldly profess it and proclaim it at times this is a, a leap of faith for me this is a big massive jump for me i have never jumped into formal ministry i'm not claiming to be formally trained i'm not claiming that i've gone to seminary and have all these years of ministry i've walked with god like i've walked my own journey i've experienced him for myself and my hope is that like I can walk with other people and hear their stories and grow closer to God through them and also share my story and drop people to him so that they would want to have their own walk. But right now, it is hard. It is hard to want to boldly profess his name. It is hard to, you know, when the rest of the world is denouncing him or questioning him to say, hey, is this God that we talk about real? Is this thing something i should be doing especially when you look around at some of the most rich and famous people some of the people that are doing incredible things in this world aren't people that claim to be christian or know god or have a relationship with him it's easy to say do i want to sign up for this? do i want to subscribe to this do i want to boldly profess this name am i crazy for believing this to be real like i think that is genuine truth and it's even more so the younger the generation we go we're seeing it get watered down it be sanitized it become more and more and more unpopular i was reading this book by dr tony evans called kingdom woman and there's this line that stands out to me so um significantly and it was what the enemy can divide he can dominate 
If he can divide our mind, if he can divide our communities, if he can divide our home, if he can divide our marriages, if he can divide our, our children from us, if he can divide our churches, if he can divide us by domination, divide us by religion, divide us by where we stand on gun reform, pro-choice, black and white. Like if he can divide all of these things, then therefore he can dominate. And that's exactly what we're seeing happen. All the division in the world, like he is dominating. And that's why you say Christianity is in the state of affairs that it is right now. We're too divided. And that is where the name of this was even born. Come union, come unite, come back together, build, come be a part of a community. Come, 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 come as you are. Sit at our table, sit at it with all your baggage, sit at it with all your mess, sit at it with all your thoughts, sit at it with your life experiences, sit at it. Because therefore, we cannot be divided if we come, if we unite. If we union, if we break bread, it does not mean we have to be of one mind, but it does mean that we have to serve one God. Like, you know, and so that's like what just keeps coming to my mind when I think about all of this. It's like, man, it's hard to be a Christian right now. It's hard just to proclaim I'm a Christian right now, or I believe in God sometimes right now. And yet, the message I believe you just preached and spoke over this community is one that gives people the space to know that that's okay, to feel, to grapple with that. We're grappling with that too, and that that's okay. And that doesn't make you a person who doesn't love the Lord, just makes you a person who's trying to grapple with the fact that it's really hard and painful to be a Christian. And also we're still in it because we believe it's truth. And we're just trying to seek out the truth of what it looks like and how to live it out. You made me think of so many things in the midst of what you were saying, but I think the intentionality of our name being come union, that it's two different words, is that we're inviting people to come as they are with their stories. And that also, like, we believe if you come as you are and you share your story, like, what we're believing is that you'll experience union with God, with yourself and with other people because you're going to join a community of people that are trying to live out the very work of what we saw Jesus doing, which was he was creating spaces of belonging for people to come and to know, discover who they are and to live into that freedom of who God says they are. And I think there were probably a lot of people who Jesus encountered who came into relationship with him, who were grappling with some of the same things all those centuries ago that we're grappling with today with the religious rulers and the way that religion was looking. I mean, you alluded to it earlier, but I read scripture feeling like I relate to the disciples more than ever before, because I'm sure when Jesus called the disciples to come follow, there was a, there was a lack of hesitation in some regards because Jesus was a rabbi and for you to be invited to go follow him was like a big deal because if you weren't like a follower of a rabbi, then that means like you didn't make the cut. And so Jesus invites them. But also like Jesus was once again, like turning all the religious rules over on its side and doing very different things than what they had grown up believing. And so they were probably hitting that same wall that we're hitting. And yet Jesus gave them that space to process that and to come to understand like what it truly means to be like a child of God, what that really actually looks like. And we are discovering that together and we're discovering that with this community that we're trying to create. But I love it, like in talking to people and when I tell them like, oh yeah, I'm starting this community that is starting out as a podcast, but it's going to be so much bigger than that um, and what we believe God's called us to, to do with communion. But when I say communion, they're like, oh, communion, like, Jesus breaking bread and the body and blood of Christ. And I'm like, no, actually. Although I would say that that is what, that is the root of what communion is supposed to be, the word communion. But we're talking literally, our word is come and union, come.union, because we want people to come as they are. And we believe sharing their stories and hearing the perspective of others that places where you never thought unity would be found, it will be found. And we believe that was the message that Jesus preached and that was how Jesus led. And so 
I love it. I love I love what you're saying. I love that. I'm sorry that you didn't sleep very much. I'm sorry that like you were in this panic place. And also as my sister, I want to encourage you back and saying, yeah, I'm right there with you. And guess what? That's okay. That's okay that you're grappling with this. And oh, by the way, yeah, we have an enemy that's really real that wants to thwart us from releasing this um, podcast. And we're not absent of it. Like, I think that's the thing, right? People that are willing to boldly profess it or step out, you know, your preachers, your pastors, like, I think that's the thing that, like, does also allow me to offer so much grace, you know, pastors and preachers and things are judged so harshly. And yet that pedestal, like, heavy is the head that wears the crown, right? Sometimes the bigger the pedestal, the bigger the platform, the bigger the whatever, the assignment, the bigger the attack at times. And I'm not saying that's biblical. Like, I'm not trying to say that's in the word, but I'm like, you know, like, if you're willing to put yourself out there, like, I'm going to be absent of attack. Like, like, again, what the enemy can divide, he can dominate. Like, best believe there are going to be things to dismantle your credibility, your validation, whatever. And and I think, you know, that's where on here, like, I want to be real about it. Like, yeah, we're talking about God. Yeah, we're asking people to come to the table. But that does not mean that we're absent of the battles that we're asking people to come to our table or fighting, you know, like we are, we are fighting our own battles. We're at, grappling with our own questions. We're on our own journeys to seek it. And by no means have it all figured out at all, but we're willing to be real and say, here's where we are. And like, help us come along with us as we try to find these answers to these questions. You know, it doesn't come without attack. It doesn't come without heavy days. It doesn't come without sometimes questioning, like, am I crazy? <laughs> you know, like, sometimes, like, like, life could be so simple sometimes if I did it. And granted, no, it cannot. Like, you choose your path, but it's real. This is real, what this this walk looks like. It, it's not just this, you know, jog or skip in a green pasture full of <laughs> lilies and, like, and, you know, holding pinkies with Jesus while we're doing it. Like, that's not, that's not what this looks like. Like, sometimes it does look like being up at night, going to battles and, you know, praying. Sometimes it does look like asking the hard questions. Sometimes the doubt creeps in. But we have, we have to choose faith. We have to choose to believe. We have to choose to be in relationship. Like, it's no different than us being in a marriage, right? We have to choose to love our spouses. We have to choose to trust our spouses. We have to choose to remain married. And so, uh, yeah, like, welcome to the real raw journey that we are on. <laughs> and the question that we're asking as we're on this journey. Yeah. You like... If I say anything else, it could launch us into another 45-minute episode. <laughs> well, then we'll leave it there. And we'll say, hey, we love you. We're praying for you. Hopefully, this is helping whoever's listening. And then you'll come back and join us for more of these conversations. Yep. Yep. I agree. Ditto to what T said. We love y'all. Let the reconciliation begin. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening today. Want to stay up to date with our episodes? Then subscribe to our podcast and newsletter on our website, come-union.com. Follow us on Instagram at come.union. Rather watch our podcast? Then subscribe to our YouTube channel at come underscore union. We are so glad you're a part of this community.